Airbus.net Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. (laughs) You're just so excited right now because you're like, man, I'm so happy I got to watch Killing Hasselhoff this week. I really was. I I peed a little bit, and then as I was watching it, I peed a bit more, and then afterwards, I peed a whole bunch. I may have an issue with my bladder. Did you pee on the disc? No, no. I kept it pristine because I knew you wanted to keep it. Uh, uh, Anyway, yes. This is Digital Noise. We record all uh, our reviews for all the Blu-rays and DVDs that have come out recently. And uh, just to get the house cleaning out of the way first, please use our Amazon links. If you go on the actual oneofus.net page, you'll see all the images of the movies and TV shows we're talking about. If you click on those images, they will bring you to the Amazon.com page for that item, where if you buy it, we get a nice little kickback. But in fact... If you buy anything starting from one of our links, as long as it starts from one of our links, you will we will end up getting a kickback. So let's say you click on David ha- uh, Killing Hasselhoff, uh-huh. and you're like, no, I'm not buying that. Yeah, you want uh, Knight Rider 2000. Yeah, and so you put into Knight Rider 2000 in the search bar at Amazon. At that point, still, if, you, if even if you're not buying Killing Hasselhoff, you're buying Knight Rider 2000, we get a kickback from Knight Rider 2000. But Amazon does say, you sure you don't want that Killing Hasselhoff? Yeah, like, they'll bug still, you about it. We still it. got it. You'll get emails going like, we see that you looked at Killing Hasselhoff. <laughs> it's been 243 days. <laughs> also, please become a subscriber. Nothing helps us more than becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net with lots of bonus features on there for you guys. More coming all the time. And, of course, regular shows that only air for subscribers. So please check that out. But now, without any further ado, let's get into... The reviews? That's right, Joe. Hey, I got it. Man, you finally got that one down. That's good. I'm proud I'm of you. going places. All right, the first one is kind of an old classic from 1991 that was really the dividing line between... The the career of Bobcat Goldthwait when he was the ah, Police Academy style mm-hmm. Bobcat Goldthwait and when he was Bobcat Goldthwait the director uh, Bobbert Goldthwait <laughs> yeah Bobbert <laughs> and that is his movie Shakes the Clown whereas I completely understand this ain't for everyone no this is freaking dark but. Th- it was kind of when I finally saw Bad Santa, I was like, this is kind of just a bad knockoff of Shakes the Clown. Yeah. Which is a much better movie. Instead of a guy dressing up like Santa, it's a guy whose job is being a clown, Bobcat Goldthwait himself, uh, featuring a sizable cast of, of other people along with him, very talented folks, and some folks really early in their careers. Like, man, the young, Ad- very young Adam Sandler. Oh, before he was a large lady. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um and it's awful, you know. Like I said, it's more absurd than than uh, Bad Santa's, but it's equally as sort of dark and fucked up. Yeah, like it, it's a it's a dirty, nasty soul that's yeah. that's just being splayed out. Like one of the first scenes of this movie is he's he's had sex, drunken sex, the night before with Florence Henderson, and he's passed out in the bathroom, his head right next to the toilet, and her kid comes in and basically just pisses on his head. Mm-hmm. That is a, is a tequila sunrise. <laughs> is that what they call that? That's what they should. <laughs> uh, and it goes into a whole thing where uh, evil, one of the the clowns in his group that's evil, played by Tom Kenny, who's, of course, better known as the great as one of the great Sponge voice Bob. actors, yeah. Spongebob, 
has uh, made it look like a murder that happened at the local bar they all hang out at was actually Shakes, who was, of course, passed out somewhere when it happened. <laughs> so Shakes has to go on the run, pretend to be a mime, which is the ultimate nightmare for Oh, because they hate mimes. They, mimes versus clowns. Yeah, oh, there's a straight-up giant mime versus clown fight in here. And uh, a very funny appearance by Robin Williams playing sort of the head of the mimes, who's, <laughs> who's quite funny. Yeah, I have a great time with this movie. I was glad to get a chance to finally come back to it and rewatch it. It's been years. Yeah, it's been decades. Um Seeing seeing Blake Clark uh, in in mime dra- or clown drag was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Odd. And I wonder if this is how because he's in a lot of the Adam Sandler movies, right? Yeah, I'm wondering if this is how they first met. Well, yeah, it, it was definitely a sort of thing where uh, you know the the comedy scene at the time. You know, this was buddies banding together to get Bobcat's thing made. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's almost all comedians and voice actors and stuff. So it, it makes total sense. Uh, they just clicked and he said, I, I want you to be in a movie where I, I play a boy who hauls water. <laughs> and he was like, well, okay. I guess I can do it. Do I still got to wear a dress? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I know people who hate this movie because it's just it's it's ugly. It's comedy. It's it's mean spirited, but it's mean spirited in the right way, where it's just absurd enough that I'm I still really have a good time with it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Clearly, nobody's feelings should be hurt by watching this movie because it's it's absurd absurd as it gets. Like my favorite line in the movie is pretty early on. They're watching uh, the the local TV clown, and he's got a little doggy, and and one of the clowns at the clown bar goes, "The moment he." gets off that screen he's gonna fuck that dog (laughs) there's lots of really funny moments like that and they're i love the way they present like these clowns whose job is like go do birthday parties and what have you they're all kind of vying for a uh the 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 most coveted job which is the host of a children's tv show where the previous one has now been fired and so everybody wants it and that's partially where the whole Tom Kenny being evil because he's willing to fuck over anybody to get this job. But <laughs> all these clowns are just the worst human beings. Like, they're all just terrible, terrible people. Well, what I love is it's a world where being a clown is a probable career choice. <laughs> yeah, like that's something people actually go, yeah, this is something that's worth pursuing. And And when you look at it, when you take it, in the context of what they were actually talking about, they were talking about just being an actor and how yeah. cutthroat it is and everything. But putting it, like, just adding to that absurd, how absurd it really is the way these people treat each other, like for jobs, <laughs> making them all clowns. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the mimes are supposed to represent. Maybe TV actors? Uh, yeah, sure. The theatra? The, maybe that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, highly recommended that this gets checked out by you guys. There's only one extra feature, but it's Mill Creek who tends not to put any extra features on their stuff. So you're lucky for what you get. Uh, it's a commentary track with Bobcat Goldthwait, Tom Kenny, and uh, actress comedian Julie Brown, who also appears in this thing as as uh, Bobcat's love interest. Lovish, were. lovish. That of course is pretty funny, as you might imagine, with all those people on it. It's a teehee. Yeah, it, it is. It's a teehee. I like that. We we'll use that as a noun from now on. <laughs> what I think is less of a teehee is the the aforementioned film Killing Hasselhoff. First off. Look, King Jong can be very funny when you know exactly how to use him. Like, generally, as a smaller level supporting character, he tends to always play the same types of roles for that. Mm -hmm. But when used properly in the right film, it can work, you know? Or in the right show, like in Community, I thought he was really good. 
But who in their right mind says, let's make him our leading man protagonist? Oh, I'll tell you who. WWE Entertainment. Yeah. World Wide Wrestling (laughs) partnered up to make this piece of shit movie. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give away what I thought. Oh, you spoiler. Yeah. Sorry, guys. sucked. (laughs) Like, David Hasselhoff somehow, I mean, not even somehow, it's quite obvious how he's basically told his manager... Anybody that has anything that in any way relates to me as a pop cultural product, tell me because I want to be in it. Yeah, I will playing do myself. It. And I, that's – he's kind of – his career is playing David Hasselhoff and stuff now. Which I'm really very tired of. Not just the Hoffs, but like the Chuck Norrises and, and, and the ilk where it's like, hey, I can't get real work anymore, so now I'm just a farce of myself. It's – Kind of embarrassing quite at this point. Yeah. Like, once would have been one thing, but this is like four or five times now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, come on, guy. You got to stop doing that. And and twice in the past several months as he basically played this exact same part and even the same fucking jokes in Baywatch. Oh, I did I did not watch the Baywatch. Well, see, that's lucky on your part. Oh, yeah. The idea here is Jung is a club owner. He's very, very deep in debt, having taken out some loans from kind of mobby-type folks. Uh, but one of the things he does for fun on the side is a celebrity death pool, right? And that you have a buy-in. And it's gotten to the point where nobody's picked correctly for a while that the pool has gone way up. It's a lot of money. And he goes, huh, well, my pick was David Hasselhoff, which is a really weird pick in a celebrity death pool. Why yeah, he's you- not particularly ill. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> seems to be in pretty good shape. I mean, like, I don't know why. That's a long shot. I hope he got better odds. <laughs> Well, 500,000 odds. Well, that's the thing. It's gone up that high, and he's like, if me and my friends figure out a way to murder David Hasselhoff, we will get all that money. That is actually, believe it or not, the fucking premise of this movie. And it does it quite poorly and sloppily and unfunnily. Except for, uh, oh man, I forgot forget his real name, but he played Brett in Parks and Recreation. Hmm. Um, he was the the hitman that the that the mobbish guy hires. Uh, I will see his name and recognize it. Maybe there's a lot of like well known people in this large on the whole playing themselves like uh, Howie Mandel, Michael Winslow, who's the guy who makes all the I, funny noises. I'm in the sorry, I movies. missed Howie Mandel. He's in it real briefly. I, I completely missed that. Uh, Gina Lee Nolan, Rick Fox, Kid, Kid Cudi, Paul Ma- Pat Monahan, Justin Bieber, Tony Rock. Uh, um, obviously David Hasselhoff, but then you've also got Jim Jeffries is in this, Ron Funches, Reese Darby, John Lovitz, Will Sasso, who I actually thought Will Sasso was pretty, was the one standout bit. Yeah, he was, well, I mean, for me, it was Brett, um, yeah. who's not, who's not listed on there, even though he had more screen time than Ron Funches. And while I love the Funch, <laughs> you love the funch. You got, you was, got a funch, it, funch bunch at home. Hey, anybody who's super allergic to alcohol is kind of cool in my book. Uh, yeah, that's weird. It doesn't even list it on IMDb. Maybe he asked to be taken off. That's very possible. I do not know. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, the point is there's a lot of very familiar people, but most of the purpose of this whole fucking thing is just that they got David Hasselhoff and they're going to let him satirize everything in his career down to that same exact same scene in Joke and Baywatch where somebody's drowning and he starts running in slow motion with the little red lifesaver thing and someone goes, why is he running in slow motion? I mean, literally the same joke nice. in Baywatch. Very nice. To guys. the fact he drives Kit, but it doesn't actually have a computer in it, so he hires people to sit in the back seat and pretend to be That's the voice. That's weird because that was in this thing. No, no, that's in. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's okay. In, that was not in in Baywatch, unless I missed it. Oh, that's too bad. 
the biggest sin here is, is this is just not funny on any level. No. It's just irritating and tries to be kind of edgy and it's so boring Well, and it's weird because they set up a fair amount of stuff that while on its face was not funny, an execution was not funny, but it also wasn't fully executed. Yeah. Neither was neither was David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this would have been so much better if it had ended with him actually dying. It would have been funnier. It would have felt like blacker and like like slipped on a banana peel or something. Yeah, shit. like they didn't yeah. successfully kill him, but he died by a complete unrelated accident. And they can chunk money. Spoiler, uh, yeah. So there's just like eight minutes of deleted scenes, none of which are of any consequence. Yeah, I actually watched the deleted scenes. So it was a lot of this just them riffing because it really felt like it. I could not honestly tell you. It was directed by Darren Grant, who uh, directed Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Okay. You know, for whatever that's worth. Um, uh, what else did he do? Uh, he did Make It Happen with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which I have not seen, and a shit ton of music videos. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, know. he worked with Aaliyah, so that's worth something. Uh, he's worked with some talented, well, maybe not that many talented <laughs> There's got to be someone. Oh, De La Soul. There you go. De La okay. Soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't recommend this thing at all. It's, it's, yeah. It's not even laughably funny like another movie that we watched. Yes, it it, it is not. Um, but real quick, I know you didn't get a chance to see this one, but let's talk about Veep. Let's do that. Season six. Now, Veep, of course, is... A political satire uh, with Julie Louise Dreyfus, who's been playing the vice president of the United States of America, along with the whole rest of her uh, crew of people like Annie Ch- Anna Ch- Chlumsky and Tony Hale and Reed Scott, Timothy Simons, Matt Walsh, uh, Sue Bradshaw, Kevin Dunn, Gary Cole, and Sam Richardson, and lots of lots and lots of other reoccurring and characters. And the rest. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten to the point in the show, like at the end of the last season... Like, she was running for president because the president had stepped down because of the health and his family issues, if I remember correctly. Okay. And so she's, like, lost, and she's not vice president anymore, and she's just going on a book tour, which you're like, well, that seems relevant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you're kind of like, so where are you going with this now because she's not the, the title's not really accurate I, anymore i guess or seems less accurate even though she you know she's written this book about being the vice president but honestly it still really works um she's still as nasty a person as she ever was okay you'd think she'd learn something along the way but not really and everybody has their own things going on here uh one of the funnier um things is D- the character dan egan played by reed scott has now gone on to be a host of CBS This Morning. And that whole bit was sort of like he's sleeping with the older, uh, much older female host who's been there since the beginning, but he's also trying to steal her job. And, yeah, okay, the, and all that bit is is pretty goddamn funny. Um, a- Amy Brookheimer is working for and engaged to a uh, governor candidate named Buddy Calhoun, played by Matt Oberg, who's like one of those like real heartland, genuinely good, sweet guy, but somebody you would never hang out with in a billion years because he's just naive as he doesn't cuss or anything. And she, no. of course, is an incredibly nasty person and manipulates without him knowing his his uh, his run doing dirty tricks. And he's just horrified by this whole thing. Well, one of the best is Jonah Ryan, who is like uh, played by Timothy Simons, who 
is this, I don't even know how tall he is. He looks like he's about seven feet tall, Ooh, but he's like, they play up for what like a blithering idiot is. And he kind of slid backwards into actually getting elected to the Senate and everybody fucking hates him. He, because he's a moron and he's offensive and he thinks he's the greatest guy in the world. And his whole run of actually, you know, is this pointed look, this guy's not much more dumb than a lot of the actual senators <laughs> in real life. But yeah, um, this is a lot of fun still. Highly recommended once again. Unfortunately, the last season is going to be the last one. I do feel that, I mean, they're at that point where, yeah, in storyline-wise, it's time to wrap it up. Sure, yeah. But it's still just as funny as it ever was. And uh, the only bonus features here are, are audio commentaries for episodes 1, 3, 6, and 7. But that's cool. Anyway, the other one I was going to talk about that you did see some of is Silicon Valley. The um, fourth season has come out now. I was telling you earlier, it's kind of got to the point with Silicon Valley. It's still very funny, but it has it's like nerd entourage mm-hmm. where it was like Vince gets the movie, Vince doesn't get the movie. And this is like, hey, the geeks got the giant deal to develop the app. They didn't get the giant well, deal. Well, that's the app. A, that's a classic pitfall of, of like, oh, the real the juicy stories in the struggle. Well, yeah, like well, it doesn't always have to be the same struggle. No, and, and here, even though they're like, oh, well, now it's a different app, it's like, it's the same thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter if it's a video chat app or if it's a video compression system or whatever it mm-hmm. is. It, mm-hmm. it, that that stuff doesn't make much difference in how it is. And I do feel like we're kind of gotten to the point where we're cycling back through the same jokes. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can say about the tech industry being completely awful and cutthroat. <laughs> well, there's probably a lot, but you'd have to name names, and I don't think Silicon Valley is willing to do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people in here who were definitely supposed to represent specific people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, companies. totally. But I wouldn't know who they are because I just don't know enough about the tech industry. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. you, on the other hand... I do know, and I'm not going to say it because they control our technology. Uh, you think they're listening right now and going, just say it. They got their finger on the button. No, no, they have, they have uh, passive APIs just... Uh, uh, scraping what we say. <laughs> I I think I liked the the deal here with the, the really the show's main bad guy, Gavin Belson, played by Matt Ross, um, losing his job at the the basically Google that mm-hmm. he works for, and he was like the CEO and everything, and he doesn't know what to do, and he forms a uh, a deal with the main character Richard which is something you never thought you'd see in a billion years and that all that's the one new thing that happens that I'm like okay I did not expect that and thought that was pretty funny but <laughs> was it enough for you to care uh Dinesh Dinesh Kumail uh, Nanjiani as always has some of the f- actual standout funniest moments here uh I love the fact that he has a girlfriend who's like you know, a death hacker. She's like one of the best of the best. And he nice. realizes if he, he doesn't want to date her anymore, but he can't break up with her cause she'll fuck his life. Cause yeah. that's what she'll do. She said <laughs> as much. And that's kind of a funny bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like if you like the previous seasons and you still felt like very strongly about it, I doubt this is, you're going to feel any less strong. I just okay. hope they find a way to kind of develop the plot of the show some more, make it find a, Find something new for these guys to do. Oh, they'll probably uh, become Elon Musk. You know, I think what would be cool is if they succeed. Like, yeah. make it work. They all become billionaires. And what happens then? Yeah, because uh, a nerd with a shitload of money is yeah. dangerous. It's very dangerous. And, you know, do that. Give them a whole season with a rich. And then they lose it all for just something incredibly stupid and unrelated. Yeah. Insider trading. Yeah. Uh, there's only two uh, minutes and 45 seconds of deleted scenes. 
And it seems like every season has had slightly less bonus features than the previous one. This is really a sort of like HBO going, yeah, we don't care, whatever. Get HBO. Why are you watching this on Blu-ray? Yeah, get HBO. Go already. Yeah, they're definitely put, like so many other people, they're spending a lot of their effort deciding that their push is better spent towards getting people to stream and mm-hmm. pay for a monthly stream than it is for this. And that war is only beginning to heat up as <laughs> as Disney is going to be entering that fray very Oof. shortly as well. Yeah, folks, digital noise might be real different. So. Yeah, we'll be yeah all streaming shows. All right, let's go on to regular movies here, and this is our weekly martial arts film, Master of the Shadowless Kick, Wong K. Ying. Now, I've watched a lot of Hong Kong movies about this precise period in history, Uh because a lot of the great ones are here. I didn't realize that I had seen a lot of movies with this character, because much more attention is usually played to his famous son, who grew up to be very famous, Wong Fei-Hung, which I think might even be the record holder for the most amount of movies ever made about the same character. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the shitty ending of this movie. It's not a great ending. (laughs) But this guy, Wong Kei-Yang, was his dad, and he was also like a master martial artist, and he was a... But unlike Wong Fei-Hung, he was kind of quiet and reserved type of guy. He was a doctor... Uh, he just he just didn't want to get involved. Like ex Shaolin monk, maybe I guess, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Um, and we reviewed before uh, the uh, another uh, Blu-ray from HBO from their new Asia tele made for TV series, uh, the Drunken Master one they did, and which was just nah. okay. So that explains why it looked like a like a Hong Kong telenovela. Yeah, it's it's made for television. Uh, okay, that explains a lot. <laughs> I actually, on the whole, enjoyed this. I did think, yes, there's a lot of, like, there's no reason to film something so it looks like it's on television anymore. Well, it was, what was funny with the the editing is I thought that it looked like whoever was uh, editing had seen only... Uh, movies that were edited for television presentation. <laughs> I know. It really kind of was like, what is this? How, you know, HBO's like started this division, but I'm guessing that, and I'm not entirely sure, but I'm guessing they bought it from Hong Kong television, but I don't know. Well, it was dubbed in, into Mandarin, but they were, it was filmed in Cantonese and then it had really, really shitty subtitles, uh, like, it was, it was very distressing to watch. Um, the idea is this title character uh, has very strong moral code, and the politics in the area are going really crazy, uh, with General Wei, who's the new territorial governor, who seems like he's okay. He enlists him to help him in this crisis versus a whole bunch of, like, essentially terrorists. Who- yeah, and he feeds the peoples. Yeah. But then, of course, it all turns out that, no, he's been pulling the wool over everyone's eyes, and he's actually completely evil. And so our our master martial artist has to switch sides and, and figure out how to stop the opium trade. Yeah, and want some ass on it. And the whole – the plot elements of this get really silly, especially towards the end. But I did think the martial arts were really solid here, actually. And partially because they this movie, much more so than most Hong Kong releases – Feels like one of the old 90s Hong Kong films. Yeah, yeah, the action was not the problem with this movie. Uh, pretty early on, they they just spill the entire beans, but then it takes like an hour and 20 minutes to actually resolve that, which was kind of frustrating. Yeah, and once again, they, they much like uh, Master of the Drunken Fist uh, that I reviewed, I want to say with Marco a couple shows ago, this... 
kind of loses its way in unnecessary complexity and its plot mm-hmm. where you're like, what is it? Why does any of this matter? And sidelines of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But it does move rel- relatively quick from martial arts piece to martial arts piece once it gets going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I still had fun with this. Like I said, I think people who like they think, ah, I don't really watch Hong Kong movies anymore, but I used to love them back when. This is has much more of the feel of those. It's just not as good as the best of those, you know. This, yeah. this ain't no Legend of Drunken Master or or even like uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind or 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 Once Upon a Time in China, which is definitely the plot. It's probably most trying to adhere itself mm. to. But no, you, you know, I'm always still like, yeah, no one's ever really beat those movies, those old classics, for just being goddamn fun. Yeah, the Hong Kong style awesome martial arts film, awesome tastic. I like that. I'm gonna use that from now on. All right, let's move on to a film that is generally considered to be a classic from Japan, and that is New Battles Without Honor and Humanity. And this new set from Arrow is the complete trilogy, which is, to be fair, kind of a misnomer, because it was one of those, like, they were all given titles with, like, New Battles Without without Honor and Humanity, colon, something. But they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. They have, like, actors who repeat in them. Um, Yeah, the sequels are uh, with the same uh, four title, The Boss's Head and The Boss's Last Days. But they're not even the same characters. Like I said, a lot of repeated actors. I did not actually get enough time to watch the two sequels. And I've heard they're all right. They're not as good as the first one. And this is a Yakuza film. And is kind of thought by some to be the, the, the Mac Daddy of all Yakuza films. Well, it certainly got swagger. It does. Um, actor Bunta Su- Sugawara plays Miyoshi Makio, who is a member of the Yamamori crime family. Right in the beginning, we see a hit, totally screws up. He ends up having to serve a uh, prison sentence, which just kind of, by him, who's a very highly thought of member of this community, kind of throws everything like into disarray mm-hmm. as the family he was with starts to splinter as Aoki, who's another member of that family, uh, is trying to seize power from the the, the boss, Mr. Yamamori, who's fair kind of incompetent. Very. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm really rooting, even though he's clearly much more evil, you're kind of rooting for Aoki on some level here. Uh, so both of them try and bribe him while he's in prison with favors to, to like, join my side when you get out. And then when he gets out, he's kind of riding the middle trying to figure out what the hell is even going on here well, as as uh, as the, one of the montages said times have changed a lot's changed since he's been in so it's fair for him to want to like suss stuff out first but that actor bunta sugawara i think is great here and um there's certainly pretty exciting and violent action scenes the storyline for for a yakuza film which often tend to be almost incomprehensibly complicated is relatively easy to follow yeah, here yeah, it's which i appreciated i don't know that i thought, saw this and went wow that really was as great as everyone's already sa- always said it was i thought it was okay yeah it, that's that's a fair statement uh you know i i just loved chewing this just the scenery and just taking it all in like uh you know post war japan is just a really interesting time and Aesthetically, it's it's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it is pretty looking. It's very well filmed. I thought. Uh, it, obviously, you can see why people think of this as being kind of the high watermark for this period in cinema for yakuza films, mm. of which there were ones coming out every five minutes. But um, 
I don't know if this is one I'd go back and revisit or not. I get, you know, I, I know people personally who like just love it and have watched this film so many times. I'm like, yeah, it was good. I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad I got it off yeah. my bucket list. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's definitely more of a rite of passage than than a, a perennial. And favorite. like I said, this comes with all three films, but I did in fact only watch the first one. Uh, but with the first one, you get a, a nine and a half minute Beyond the Films: Battles Without Honor and Humanity, which is sort of a general overview of the series by a biographer of the director, Sadao Yaman. Um, and once again, I did not watch that either. But there's extra features on all three of these discs. And if you this is your sort of thing, if Yakuza Films is, is, your, is your wheelhouse, then this is kind of the one you got to get. Yeah, grab it, baby. All right, we're moving on to Dean. This is not Oof. a solo movie about Dean Winchester, I'm sad to say. Yeah, or Sam. Sam is not about that either. Well, they wouldn't have called it Dean then. Unless it was all about, like, he was the No, no, man. Sam was the accompanying movie. Was the what? No, was that the never... Cheers spinoff? Uh, kind of. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, this is a, um, uh, what is it? a showpiece? For the talents of Dimitri Martin, who most people... <laughs> Which one? Yeah, who you know is a stand-up comedian, who I, I like his stand-up okay. He's not one of the, the people that, to me, I'm like... I know a lot of people think he's one of the best. I'm like, yeah, I enjoy him he's, just fine. He's not an LOL kind of stand-up. He's like, hmm. He's a chuckle. I get that. Oh, yeah. Snap your fingers in appreciation. <laughs> oh, that's clever. Kind of a hipster comedian, if you will. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that inherently. But now, he's writing and directing a movie about, you know, him... Kind of, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, uh, he's had a lot of supporting roles and animated voice stuff, but I'm not really sure the acting gig is going to be really, no, I don't think that's where you should feel. explore. Um, part of his thing is he's struggling to figure out how to, what he's supposed to be doing in his life. He's, he's mourning his mother who's just died. Uh, his father is played by Kevin Klein, which is usually a good sign. Usually. Uh, uh who, Really disturbs him when he says he's going to sell the house that he grew up in, and and Dimitri Martin is just totally in denial about it. Like he's like, "Well, you're not going to do that, so we're done talking." About yeah, because he's emotionally broken. For some yeah, reason. and his like he draws all these doodles that aren't terribly funny. Well, I mean, so does Dimitri Martin. Like he's yeah. he's you know printed books of his shit. Apparently, drawings. people love it, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't really. I mean, it's fine." Like but- I, I guess it was supposed to be self-deprecating, but at one point, uh, there's this ad agency that wants to use his drawings, and they're like. So there's this guy. He's like a loser. He's a, he's like a dumb nerd kid, and and he does these drawings, but they're real shitty and childlike, you know. So that's gonna be your drawings. Yeah, and I liked that, but I do. But it was like, are you being self-effacing, or was this supposed to be a, a nah, girl? I'm gonna struggle against the man. It's. <laughs> There was, yeah, I know, right? And you're like, come on, man. That's the thing. Is like, he's so unlikable because he's just so absolutely blind to reality. I mean, there's a, a really hard to watch sequence where the, the, his friend, who he thinks is his best friend of the world, has decided to award the best man role to basically him and another guy who he knows like more freshly. Yeah. Clearly, it's sort of one of those. Yeah, we were friends a long time ago, Dimitri. But like you know, now you it's ain't just around, sort of bro. Like, you ain't around, <laughs> and you're kind of lame now. And the other guy's obnoxious. Like you know, he's he's even worse than Dimitri Martin. But this scene is Dimitri's like, well, I'm actually the real best man in front like, of the crowd. Yeah, and that's why you got co best man. Oh dick. my god! But the movie really goes into gear, I guess, when uh, <laughs> he decides to go out to California to meet said creatives. I hate that term. Who are who are thinking about licensing his artwork, and he ends up meeting Gillian Jacobs, uh, which would 
be enough to stop anybody dead in their tracks and go, wait, maybe I should follow up on this. Hey, I'm doing okay. They have a meet cute. They really hit it off. And, uh, of course, he immediately is head over heels in love with her, which is because, because of course, he is. Yeah. No, you know, no, no, the no. only thing out of here that was, like, wouldn't – that is totally not realistic, like, is this guy in particular. When If she was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for a big commitment, he would be like, well, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> you know he would. He's just totally self-involved dude. You're just like – you know he's, like, go immediately on to joining manonist groups on Facebook right after. It's like, I'm an artist. What do women do? This is more pain for the struggle. <laughs> I don't know. This I was I was not amused by this. No, I it's, was not either. It's even the stuff with like where you think you really talented comedian like Gillian Jacobs, like the scenes with her, you find yeah, she's absolutely charming. You see why anybody would fall for her, but the dialogue between the two of them doesn't work. He just keeps it so flat all the time. Oh he's yeah, trying to be like, look how or there are those moments where he he gets a glint in his eye for a second, like I'm going to say something that shows what a quirky, weird, clever guy I am. Yeah, a lot of it was like, oh man, is this a shitty Woody Allen movie impersonation? Yeah, or, like not necessarily Woody Allen character, but definitely like the setup. You're like, I get it. You watched some Mike Birbiglia films and you said I can do that, dude. You're no Mike Birbiglia, either on stage <laughs> or in, in writing and directing films. I mean, better luck next time, but yeah, I cannot really give Dean any sort of proper recommendation. No, no. I'm sorry, I made you watch some, like, not great films this week. I apologize. Yeah, I know, and the worst is coming up. No, no, you know that you, like everyone else, really likes watching The Lion King. Yeah, I fucking hate it. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yes. Well, I was, so I was a teenager when The Lion King came out, and so hearing classmates just singing all of those shitty songs oh, all the goddamn time, fuck that movie. Well, I will tell you that Although in general, I think in general I like pretty much all the even the least lesser Disney animated films. Yeah, um, I was shocked upon rewatching this that I don't understand at all why this is one of their best selling movies. Of right, all time. I'm like this isn't even close to as good as uh, like something like Tangled. I, I like I don't get it. The songs aren't that good overall. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's fine. I don't mind this movie. It's fine. But if I had a kid that wanted to watch it over and over again, we'd have to trade him in for another kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the, so it, I mean, they did wonders with the, the actual animation and cleaning it up and stuff, but it, it kind of shows the threshold of traditional animation. Yeah. Because a lot of it just looked uh, shiny, but shitty at the same time. Yeah. It was, it felt like they were getting towards the dividing line between that middle period of Disney and the end of the middle period and the beginning of the new period. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like a lot of the line work was just real sloppy. Like, Did you weird. see sex in the clouds? No. Cause they took it out. Did they really? Yeah. They took it out. Oh, that's fucked up. I watched it with my girlfriend cause she loves the shit out of the lion King. And she's a like, lot of people do. And she's like, bro, they took out sex. And I was like, that's nah. messed up. Dude. No, no, it still gets hurt. That's, that's kind of, you know, I know, no kid is going to notice that first off. Right. And second, and that's kind of a ditz on the animators. That was like a little in-joke for them. Yeah. I was like, come on, Disney. Plus, if kids get it, hey, you're teaching them to read. Hey, like, there, come on. Go. They got to learn about what sex is. Something You go, sex, they're just insinuating how, like, these characters are male. Right, yeah. It's sort of all it means. Jeez. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I, there's, there's moments I like more than others, but I, I overall have to say... 
I mean, this is the new Circle of Life edition, and man, the the circle of when they re-release these things is happening faster and faster, because the last <laughs> release of this was not very long ago So you say the vault has now got a revolving door? Yeah, you think it was as many movies as they have, you're like, why aren't you re-releasing, you know, I mean, there was actually, I can't remember who wrote it, it was a really interesting piece I read of an argument why Disney should re-release Song of the South, and it had to do with basically, you've got to own what you did before. Yeah. You know, you've got to own that shit. Like everybody wants to see it again. And knowing that you know, there's some really offensive fucking stuff in here and Disney yeah, just, just, just put it out with like a documentary about, well, it was a different time. And yeah, like a title card that says, Hey, this shit's fucked up. Watch the extras. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, all right. So the, back to the Lion King, <laughs> the signature collection, of course, has a whole bunch of new supplements. It carries over a bunch from the previous release and it removes a few. And strangely, it kind of divides up the older stuff between some stuff is on the disc and some stuff is only on the digital copy, which mm. is weird. Wow. Uh, very strange. But uh, the stuff you don't get from the Diamond issue, uh, uh, Diamond Edition is the Disney second screen, the Pride of the Lion King, Dine Ki- Lion King, a memoir with Don Hahn, interactive art gallery, and Disney's video vault. Uh, the carryovers are audio commentary with the co-directors and producer, uh, some deleted and alternate scenes with commentary, uh, the morning report, an extended scene. There's bloopers and out- outtakes. There's a song, karaoke song selection, oh, and a Jesus. sing-along mode. So all that stuff is on the disc. Uh, yeah, the when, when sing-along mode popped up, I was like, Sarah, look at that thing. And then I just put it to regular mode. <laughs> you just got like, out. I was like, fuck no. Uh, the digital version includes in the previous one, Beyond the Story, Visualizing a Villain, uh, a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes EPKs of the making of, a lot more bonus scenes, uh, cast and crew uh, I- interviews, um, lots of stuff about the making of the music on here, lots of little EPKs about that. And the, but the new stuff, which I know everyone is just like, get to the new stuff, Chris. People are at home like biting their yeah, nails. Is, get to the like, new shit. I need it. Uh, okay. Uh, visualizing a villain, which is um, – it's basically a look at Scar – set to the music of Be Prepared. It's kind of like a music video type thing. Okay. I, I don't know. It's only like two, it's all three minutes long. Uh, the recording sessions, which uh, the co-director is talking about how the voice actors record dialogue prior to animation with a picture picture in picture uh, extra on it of various scenes showing them recording dialogue well, versus actually scenes from the film. Yeah, I think so. Um, inside the story room, that's uh, almost uh, almost 25 minutes, which is a look inside the storyboard pitches and how that happens for five scenes from the movie with introductions by the co-directors with scenes of Circle of Life, Simba and Nala. Simba takes Nala out to play Hakuna Matters and Rafiki in the reflecting pool. So where's where's the section on how they totally didn't rip off Kimba the White Lion? Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, not this last one, which is Nathan and Matthew, the extended Lion King conversation, which is uh, continuing on from a previous extra just a longer version of it or added new stuff from that conversation between the producer, uh, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick. I was filmed for the documentary pride of the lion King. They just talk about their childhood memories of Disney films, how excited they were to be cast in this, the original plot of the film, which was involved lots of fucking. Yeah, dog. No, it did not. Uh, the recording process and them all staying friends afterwards. You know what would have actually been really cool is if they had a, a copy of, of the Broadway Lion King. 
Yeah, I suspect the rights to that are tied up in a completely different way. Yeah. But yeah, that would be the ultimate edition of this is one like, okay, watch the movie, now watch a very well shot. Yeah, see how they translate it to to the the boards. Dude, it's how long has that even been out for now? Like a long time. Yeah, at least over ten years. Has it even toured? I think so. Did it? Okay. Yeah, I think it has. I mean, in our in this house, we're just waiting for Hamilton, which could be a while. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, I know. We're like, it's got a tour eventually. Yeah, I think the plan right now is, the last I heard was like nine years. Here you go. Here's tickets, and you can't afford them. Hey, but Harry Potter's touring. <laughs> I think starting this year, at the end of the year, the Harry Potter uh, musical is going to tour. Yeah. Or not musical, but play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cur- huh. And the curse something. Potter and the cursed. <laughs> the cursed franchise. Yeah, and the cursed. Well, it's not terribly cursed. <laughs> <laughs> it's doing pretty well. Give it time. Yeah, well, you know, diminishing returns. Harry Potter Rogue Squadron. I <laughs> See, did you think Rogue Squadron was diminishing returns for the Star Wars series? No, I just thought it was fraught with danger. Because it could have been, easily have been very shitty. Yeah, and it still has, I know there are people who just, inexplicably to me, think that movie is just 100% perfect. But I'm like, Really? Even the thing with the guy from the bar who happened to be on a totally different planet. It was like, how in the hell did you get to Tatooine in time? Hey, you just uh, the less than 12 parsecs. <laughs> it must have been pretty goddamn close. I don't know. I, I like Rogue One just fine. But I find that people have strong feelings about whether Rogue, they, they either love one. They love one and hate the other with Rogue One and Force Awakens. And yeah, what is with that? I don't get it. I like both of them just fine. They're both it's, fine. It's okay to like them. And guys, it's okay to like Marvel and DC. Like you can do that too. You take your dirty mouth. No, I'm. Out of my no, house. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like the Flash. Okay, <laughs> Flash is badass. All right, well that's it for digital noise. Thank you, Joe, for joining me. You're welcome. Um, it will be at least a week and a half to two weeks until the next one, probably closer to two weeks, because Fantastic Fest is getting is going to start shortly, and I'm kind of full on into. Uh, watching screeners for Fantastic Fest over watching movies, but I'm handing off the movies to the other guys for I've seen them, so they can. So I'm not waiting on them; they'll be waiting on me. So hopefully we can get the the next shows up and running relatively quickly. Oh, I'm sorry, there will be one more show after this one. Oh, look at you guys! I forgot. Yeah, uh, I'll be recording a show with uh, with uh, Aaron on Wednesday. Okay, so that'll be coming out close to the, closer to the end of this week. But after that, like two weeks. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, listeners to oneofus.net, be a subscriber. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, being a subscriber is it. The long-term benefits of being a subscriber at oneofus.net have been proven by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Watch TV, but not too much. Remember to cast a wide net of types of shows you watch. Even reality TV may have the occasional gem to offer. Don't feel too bad that you have trouble finding friends that share your interests. You are amazing, and you should love what you love. Sure, in 20 years you'll look back at your favorite stuff and cringe at some of it, but it will be with an affectionate smile. By the way... I have no doubt that you probably look amazing. Even if you haven't found that person yet, if you believe in yourself, somebody is going to love you. I'm sure anime is great. I don't personally watch a lot of it, although some of our staff certainly does. You'll feel better in realizing that my lack of interest in it isn't me critiquing the quality of anime and affects your love of it in no way. 
Tony is probably not going to show up. Yeah, we wish he would too. Love that guy. Taking it personal when someone likes something you hate or hates something you love in entertainment is understandable when young. But as you get older, trust me, there will be little that will make you feel more embarrassed about yourself than cruel things you said on someone's Facebook page about DC versus Marvel or whatever at three in the morning. At least hopefully. Write. Create. Do your own thing. And if you don't have the time, find the time. Try out the shows you haven't given a shot to yet on our network, like Thumbtacks and Screwjobs, Somebody Likes It, or Deliberations of Doom. We think you'll be pleasantly surprised. But seriously, trust me on the subscription. <laughs>